Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. This is Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on a chilly October 4th, 2017, ready to do some Ask Me Anything questions. Um, I love the questions because it makes me think and and try to articulate what I do and how I do it. Um, So we'll get started right away. There's no no use getting into um, other stuff because we got lots of questions. So we're going to start. Um, first one's from John Wayne, one of our UK members. Um, John, I hope the Potters are doing better. John's a Stoke um, football supporter, and last I looked, it wasn't a happy thing. So anyway, John asked tackle titles, descriptions, keywords, and pay-per-click regarding foreign language. For example, Spanish in the U.S. Uh, for the Mexican market. This is probably a bigger issue for us in Europe than you. Um, when my stuff was it, John, when my stuff was at UK, um, and they were, um, and this is, um, a couple years ago, they automatically translated into other languages on the site. Amazon did it. Now, I don't know if that's true now, um, if they do, but I would check on that. If, if you're sending and creating pages in other languages, I think that's a case where you would have to, to, um, outsource that to somebody who can do correct grammar and all that kind of stuff. But my things that were in the warehouses in the UK that were being sold on Amazon.de in Germany, I looked and they were automatically translated. So this is a question that I don't know the answer to. Um, as far as um, the Hispanic market here in the US, um, I don't do anything special. None of my stuff is specifically targeted to the Hispanic market. But um, since you're, if you were listing in the U.S., even if you were targeted to the Hispanic market, you would have to list it in English because that's the language Amazon wants it in. But that doesn't mean you couldn't put a translated description in place so those keywords would come up um, in, in um, search if someone was searching in Spanish um, for them in that way. I'm not sure um, if you are creating the pages or these are existing pages in the UK and you're selling to Germany or, or France or um, whatever, and, or if they're fulfilling out of your UK stuff, I'm not sure. So write in chat and let me know a little more because I, I, I will research it more, um, but I'm just going on what happened to me when I was doing it. So I'll be watching chat for your, th- your next answer. Um, Jennifer Baldessari asked, as a new seller, after you introduce new bundles or a bundle to Amazon, what are the, some of the ways you recommend getting eyes on your listing um, plus getting the listing on the first page? The first thing I do with every new product I bring in now is pay-per-click ads. Um, 
they are and not on Amazon ads, um, not on, on other places. They've been really successful for me. And um, the, um, the secret is to um, check often to see if you're running out of money or not, to bid competitively but not ridiculously because you don't want to eat up all your, your, your um, profit in advertising. But that's number one. Um, so Amazon sponsored product ads. And I always do the automatic targeting to start. Um, and I've had really good luck um, with that because I'm lean and mean with, with my keywords and stuff. I don't put a lot of ineffectual keywords um, in my listing. So it's, if it's automatically targeting those things, it seems to work well for me. So that's the first one is um, sponsored product ads. The second one um, especially if it's a bundle that a female person would buy is Pinterest. Um, in the U.S., Pinterest skews highly female. So maybe if you're doing a bundle of auto parts or something, it might not be the best place for it. But if you are doing anything that a female person would buy, um, Pinterest is a great place to do it. I do not do the paid ads on Pinterest um, I tried when they first came out, not hugely successful, but I link directly from my listing to Pinterest. And I, I scatter these links among my boards that might have 20 or 30 links that aren't ads, and then I'll put the one in. And then I'll have 20 or 30 more posts or pins that aren't the ad, and I'll put a different one in. Um, the one thing you do not want to do is just be add, 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 because people will unfollow your boards and then it's pointless. So um, there is a podcast about Pinterest and there is a document in the file section that tells how to link to only your product on Pinterest. Now, if you're the only one selling the bundle, it's not so critical that you follow the steps. But if you're selling on a listing where dozens or even and one other person is um, selling, do not use the little button, the Pinterest button um, up there to link your product because that will link to the general page, not just yours where you are the seller on it. You want, you want these links to go just to you where the other um, selling options don't show. So be really, really careful that um, – about that, that you don't just link to the general Amazon page because you don't want to drive any traction to anybody else. Um, with Pinterest, it, it takes a while to develop a following um, and it takes some thought about who you're actually selling this product to and what else goes on in their life. Um, bit easier for me because I'm very niche specific, but if you're, say you're selling a, a 4th of July kid, uh, party bundle, of, of whatever for 4th of July. You need to work on building a, um, a Pinterest board that celebrates all things Americana. Um, you know, recipes, um, decorating ideas, craft ideas, and all of that. And then you throw in a link to your party bundle. And then you put some more, you know, maybe the pins with, you know, 10 things you didn't know about the 4th of July. And then, you know, some other nice decorating things. And then another pin of something else you're selling within the 4th of July niche. Um, you have to be really, really careful about not putting too many ads because you'll alienate people. Because they'll just say, 
this board's all ads. I don't want to just buy stuff. I want to see other ideas too. And then you have to be consistent in your pinning. You have to, um, I do it every morning. I spend like 10 minutes poking around, you know, and I get four or 500 repins a day. That's what my stats show. I have about 20 some boards, I think. Um, all of them are, are pretty niched except some general design ones. Like I have some ones about color um, just because the people who buy art and crafty things love color and it's a way to get them to follow all the boards. Um, I also um, throw in every once in a while a pin of something for sale that I don't sell just because I think it's cool. Um, so, you know, somebody else out in, in e-commerce land is getting a little bump because I think their product's cool. But um, you really have to sit and think, and this is like good in the car thinking time or in a waiting room thinking time about who the person is who buys their product, your product or products, and then what else in, in the way of setting up Pinterest boards would interest them. So um, if you sell home decor things in a specific style, that makes it easy, far easier to set up boards. You could have, you know, a kitchen in, in the um, mid-century modern style, mid-century modern bathrooms, mid-century modern clothing, um, ones about the space race, you know, with cool things about, um, that period of time because you, you have to remember the person is just not looking to buy things. They're looking for other things. So if you're a mid-century person, think of do I want a board for mid-century clothing and fashion? Even though I may not sell it, it may get people to my boards who then may see a pin that I of something I'm selling and go buy it. So it takes a while to develop them. Um, harder if you are a generalist seller, way harder to d develop the boards um, than if you can identify, easily identify that person you're selling to. Um, in my case, I'm a lot, a lot of people who buy my stuff are like me. They have the same interests, you know, generally in the field and all that. So that makes it easier. But, you know, uh, companies spend billions of dollars doing market research finding out what's in the head of the people they're selling to. And that's what we kind of have to do on a cheaper way. And that's why I push the niche thing. One of the reasons I push the niche thing and say you have to know those people who are buying your stuff. Why I don't sell toys. I don't have kids. I don't have any children in my family close by that I know anything about. So I would be just like, well, what do moms want to buy for their kids? I have no clue. So that's not real useful. I may be buying two years ago hot toy, you know, or, or posting things that were out last year that kids are saying are lame now because something else has come along. So, so please, if you're going to do Pinterest, get in the mind of your buyers and what that you think they would look for and look at other boards in that kind of related thing and see what is popular with them. Um, what are they pinning if you're a mid-century modern um, seller of that, that genre of home decor? What else are they doing? Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with swiping good ideas. Um, that's kind of how um, the world works, you know. Don't steal crummy ones, steal good ones, steal ones that work for you. So, um, so anyway, um, if that doesn't answer the question um, about getting eyes on it, that's the, to me the two greatest ways. I have Facebook ads I have found 
pointless, useless, don't work. It's too unfocused of a market, even if you try to get in a niche there. Um, it's just it's just the Wild West. And um, to be honest, I see ads on Facebook, and I, my eyes just glaze over, and I go right past them. Um, I know Frank has tried Facebook ads, and he said he has not been successful with them either. Might be successful um, in different marketplaces, but for us, not real successful. Um, so I would concentrate on Amazon-sponsored product ads and watch that percentage. You don't want your cost of um, sales to get too high to where you're not making money, but, um, but it really does work. Um, to get the eyes on your product. And you have to remember, it, it doesn't show unless you have the buy box. So if you are selling, um, if you're not the only seller, don't worry about that part. Um, I have found that um, very few of my competitors use the ads, so which is way better for me because then I show up a lot more. Um, and you may find that in whatever niche you're selling. Um, when you're doing bundles, the way to get eyeballs on them is, a great title and a great picture. That's the two most important things. Because um, if somebody's looking for um, a certain type of, um, let's say, back to school bundle or Halloween bundle, you want paper plates and cups and all that for your Halloween party, they are going to look at the picture and they want the picture to grab them. So we've um, done a podcast about photography bundles or a webinar. So if you haven't watched that, um, make sure you do to get your bundles to look really good. I have to um, give a shout-out to Ellie um, and to Shelly, both, who were novice photographers when they started um, with Ron's webinars. And um, I know they both correspond with Ron about images, and Ellie sends me some of hers once in a while to look at. They do awesome work with their photographs now. I mean, really, really awesome work. With not a lot of fancy equipment, it's pretty much, um, you know, I think Ellie uses her smartphone in the Amazon seller shop. And Shelly, I'm not sure what you use, but Ron showed me some pictures you sent him earlier the week. And he says, my gosh, has she come a long way. Um, it shows what practice and practice and practice can do. Because they look really nice as you're scrolling through a page. They make you want to stop and look at that, that image. So... Um, so hats off to you two for working really hard. And guys, if you haven't watched Ron's um, photo webinars, please do. It's, it's, it's a lot of valuable information. And sometimes it goes quickly, so you may have to back up and watch again to understand it. But it does pay off. It really does. And Ed has said in chat, I had an item that was not selling. The photo was bad. Did it again, and now it's selling well. Yeah, because that's what people scroll through. You know, when they put a search in, and get that whole list of things on the first page, um, it is um, the photo that grabs them. And, you know, you and I have all seen those photos where we can't even tell what it is in the picture. You know, that's kind of like, boy, um, don't be that person. And don't forget that after, the main image must be on that white background and be 90% of the space, or 85% of the space must be filled with the image, blah, blah, blah. But as Elias proven, second and third images as what we call lifestyle images can really, really help sell your products. And that means you stage it so it looks more like a, a magazine shot of something, you know. And it doesn't have to be fancy, but it doesn't have to be that stark 
catalog image. Um, the whole lifestyle thing um, can really set you apart from other, other sellers that may just have a plain stark image instead of showing the item in context, how it could be used, how it sets in, in a home decor thing and all that. Now, now for me, the tool's kind of hard to put into context. You know, you got a hand on the tool. I don't think that's worth it. But if you're selling things that could um, entice people to buy them because they're shown in contests, think about those lifestyle, um, lifestyle photos. So that's the Pinterest, the promotional thing. Um, there's no guarantee that you will get on the first page, um, but I bet, I bet that you will convert well. Um, sponsored products help because you'll be in that band along the bottom, um, Jennifer. So um, that will help you. And of course, the more sales you get, the higher you'll rate in search too. So um, getting on that first page um, counts a lot for your title, what you said, is it is it um, got enough enough information and enough words in there so that people understand what it is? But is it concise enough that it isn't one of those ridiculous Amazon soundings? We'll just put the keywords in here because we need them, and they make no sense to the title whatsoever. Um, so um, instead of saying like tree rubber stamp. Let's say I'm selling a rubber stamp that's a design of a, of a palm tree. Palm tree rubber stamp. Well, that really isn't going to get people to say it. I always put the brand name first. So I'll say Stampin' Up, palm tree rubber stamp, three inches by four inches. Um, you know, a few, few more things to get people to stop. Because if somebody wants a one by two, they're not going to stop, but they know, okay, three by four, I, I want to stop here. So I think the titles are critically important um, to have enough information in there um, and enough words that, um, that will convey uh, some keywords in a, oh gosh, what's the word? Not sympathetic, in a uh, logical way. So... Um, if I'm selling a pottery making tool, so I'll put brand name X, um, red handle pottery knife for, for um, stoneware, ceramics, or stoneware uh, and porcelain ceramics. So that gets the word stoneware, porcelain, ceramics in there, which it's used for, but doesn't sound like you're just stuffing the words in there. It's more of a logical way to look at it. I've had good luck doing that. Um, and I, I tend to skip over as a buyer those listings that only have like two words. And I definitely skip over those listings that the title is stuffed with, you know, every word you can think of just as keywords. It's like, no, I'm not buying from that person. So um, let me get back to chat and see if I've missed anything. Um, John has said regarding sponsored ads, I use manual keywords, but based on the suggested list and then may add a few of his own. Okay, um, good. Good. Um, I tried, I, I have to say, I tried manual versus automatic on the exact same products and I did way better on the automatic. So obviously I picked the wrong ones or um, some other factor was in play, but, um, but good to know. And this time of year, I think ads will help you stand apart from everybody else selling stuff this Q4. So, so that's Jennifer's question. Um, Beth, 
Gustus has a question. This was a really good one, and I had to do homework last night to um, find the answer to hers. She gave me two links, um, and I won't share them just because. Um, and um, one of them was a list of um, manufacturers in a niche. Um, and it, to me, it seemed like it had a lot of good leads on it. I don't know who made it, um, but it did have a lot of leads. It was, it was developed from the way I looked at it, that it was a, um, a um, list made up for consumers, meaning the end user, um, the person who's buying it at retail, not a list for wholesalers. But that's fine because... You know, we don't do wholesale lists anyway, and how and they have links right here in it. So it would be very simple to contact um, the um, sellers from this list and see about wholesale. So she she gave me the link from one of the sellers on there to their website, and she said, "Let me get the exact wording so I don't have to paraphrase." Um, what are the best ways to tell if a website is for a manufacturer? I can't decide if it's a manufacturer of retail of various blah, blah, blahs. Um, the, there's one, one simple giveaway is if there is a clickable link that says wholesale on it. Um, that's the, by far the like, okay, this is simple um, and easy. And a lot of them will. They'll have um, a link at the top that will say, you know, all that contact us. And one might say wholesale. If that doesn't, the second place I look is um, the contact us page and see if there's a place where it says um, interested in carrying our products in your store fill this out that'll happen you know a fair bit of time then the third place i will go look is faqs because um, they might give be a dead giveaway and say we are a retailer of xyz stuff in this niche then that's a, a clear clue that that they're a retailer and i'll get back to that in a second because that doesn't mean you can't work with this but that's so that's when you know that that's their main focus the um the next one is the wording on in, on the site itself the way they how they phrase things to the person that they think is going to be reading their website and let me pull this one up again here that um Beth sent me, and, and um, the wording in the About Us page said, as parents, guardians, and caretakers, there's nothing more we want for our children than blah, 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 blah. Here at blah, blah, we carry. So that was very clear that they are looking to sell to parents and those who take care of kids. So they're not their their main focus is wholesale, but um, but I thought their stuff was pretty cool. And if it was a niche I was selling in, um, I would send them an email and say, "Wow, your products are great. I really love them. Do you wholesale them?" And just see what they say. What's the worst they can say? No, we don't. Um, not knowing the toy niche, I don't know. I bet a lot of people would know right away a brand name um, in the toy niche or in the um, the home decor niche. I don't know a ton of brand names, but it may be that you come across a site 
say in toys and that's your niche and you know that name right away and you know that they don't they only sell direct um so all you have to do is ask um after you i always poke around first um because sometimes i hate to say it's far easier just to send an email on on um if they have a thing that says do you want to wholesale our product in your store contact us um, and they, um, you put your name and email and your store name and whatever, and they might like send it right back and say, yeah, you're in. Um, then becomes the negotiation about making sure you're okay on Amazon. But at least you got your foot in the door first. Um, they thought for whatever reason it was okay. Um, some of them will say, tell us a little bit about your company. And that's when you can take that paragraph that's in the group about how, what I say. And then just say, you know, our primary focus is selling on Amazon and providing fabulous customer service, et cetera. So, um, so look for those four, um, those four or five things as the dead giveaways. Um, I think, I think um, the list that you found, Beth, was really good, like really, really good. It was obviously, to me, it was, I looked at it, it was put together, um, by um, a parent or a, uh, it could be, these are all affiliate links, I bet. Um, I haven't checked carefully enough, but I bet they're all affiliate links um, to these products. But at least it's a place to look for more unusual things that, you, that you're not seeing everywhere. So I would definitely um, do some more research at it. To be honest, I wouldn't click on the links in there to um, go to them. I would type them in my just to avoid the whole affiliate thing. Um, but they're written out there, so that's pretty simple just to type them in um, and give it a go. But I think you've got a ton of stuff to work with here. Um, really good. Um, all different um, places in your niche it goes to, so I think it's a good one. Um, so, okay, Beth is saying the product on the site, the, the dig down site um, from this list were pretty generic. So I didn't see brand names. Yeah, I, so, you know, maybe they do um, private label stuff. I don't know. See, that's why I don't know toys, so I don't know. But they seem, they're, they're pretty pricey. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Ask them. What can they say? And they can't even yell at you if you do it by email, right? You, they, if you're on the phone, they can make you feel stupid. On email, what do they know? You know, so that's, that's kind of another reason I like um, – I like to um, email is because they can't um, they can't make me feel stupid by email, you know. And um, also look at the um, I noticing on this one there's um, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest links at the bottom of the page. Go look around there and see what they say on there. Um, you know that may be a giveaway as to what kind of thing they are. Um, but um, another thing is if there is a direct um, order link on stuff, um, you can pretty much be guaranteed that they're a retailer. Um, but you may like the product and you may be able to poke around and find out. Um, say they're a store that carries all sorts of, um, of um, horse-related books. Well, that doesn't mean you can't look there and then find the publishers and find those things yourself. Um, that's what I call industrial espionage, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, so there you go. So um, get 
you know, get the thinking cap on and poke around. And that's this, that what you're doing now is my favorite part of this whole business is finding stuff like that. I just think it's so much fun, so much fun. So Beth, did that answer everything? Um, okay. She says, yep. Okay. Next question. Hang on a sec. Um, I got, oh, jeez. Sorry. My knee just popped out. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Frank says, how do you handle products where the distributor or manufacturer infrequently goes out of stock? Oh, boy, Frank, why don't you give us a tougher one? Um, you know, if they go out of stock all the time, you really know to um, step up and order. But if they only go out once in a while, that makes it harder. And here's where the relationship between the um, you and that wholesaler becomes critically important. Um, meaning, if you see a pattern developing where you can't get your inventory in, um, you are losing sales because they they just can't manage to keep you in product. You got to have a talk with them. Um, and I know it's hard um, to because you don't want to push so so far that you um, alienate people, but you also have your business to protect. And um, maybe they don't realize that what they're doing by running out of stock, meaning you can't get the product, is hurting their vendors. Um, sometimes wholesalers are clueless about what, how, what they do, um, how what they do affects us as um, resellers. They don't get that if we don't have their stuff in um, easily and um, regularly and know we can get it, um, that it really affects us. And, you know, I had had some vendors where it just got so such a pain to know if and when I would get their product, I just stopped. It was like um, they had stuff handmade in Vietnam, and it was really lovely, lovely stuff. But they were so flaky about getting it shipped here. Um, the couple, they were an American couple living in Vietnam, but they were flaky about getting it shipped here that you never knew if you could get it for the next six months or not. And, you know, you can't run, I couldn't run a business that way. It just, it just didn't work. You know, maybe they could and felt that it would work for them, but it doesn't work for the retailer. And, um, I think enough people told them that, that they, they are now selling out of what they have and they're closing up shop. Um, so um, Frank said he has one that goes out of stock frequently, but when they go out of stock, it's for a month or more. I would ask them then, like, um, I don't know how often you order from them, but say you order from them once a month and they go out of stock for a month. So that means you could be two months behind in getting product, which at this time of year will kill you. So moving forward, what I would do is explain to them, you know, when you guys are running low on stock and, and um, you realize it's going to be a while before you get more in, can you just send me an email or note so I can order if I need to and not have to wait? So kind of that puts you to the front of the line um, where everybody else will wait till they're, they're really desperate for product and then reorder. Um, that's, uh, that's what I would do is I would have a talk to them and say, hey, you know, this is what you need to let me know when you're running low. Um, if, say, Frank, you order 100 units a month 
have them um, let you know when they're down to two or 250, and then you can put your order in um, and get it and then not be out for that month while they're getting more. That's, that's how I would handle it. Um, if anybody in chat has any ideas um, um, that they could throw out, that would be great, but that's what I would do. Um, it's frustrating, especially this time of year. Um, and you would think the more technology makes it easier to forecast and everything that companies wouldn't. Um, but they do. They're run by humans, and, and some of them are not run very efficiently by humans, and and stuff happens. Ron has a supplier who um, is seems like they're always like three or four months behind, and their problem is their products are made in the USA, and everybody who's been with the company since they started 40, 45 years ago is now retiring. And it's hard to to get people because it's a skilled manufacturing thing. It, it it takes skill to do what this is to get people to do it. You know, they're having they cannot find people, and so they're always running behind. And you know, they said we're running our people who are here. We're running them as hard as we can, but that's all we can do till we get more skilled um, people to build these things. Um, so. Um, let's hope it becomes a less of a problem, Frank, if you talk to them and, and kind of tell them where you at, you're at. And this is where the whole relationship thing comes in. And um, really handy is, you know, build that kind of relationship. So um, I have one from Rachel um, that took me a while to kind of figure out what was going on. I read it last night and I was not like perfectly... Um, coherent last night. It says, is it enough to just fill out the template, and I think she means the listing template, the shipping weight for a product and the dimensions of the box containing the specific product. So um, if you make a new listing on that very last tab, there are a place for product dimensions and shipping dimensions and weight. So there's product and weight. Um, I have to be honest that um, for bundles, there is no reason to, to try to not do anything but the whole thing because it doesn't make sense otherwise. So, Rachel, if you're doing a bundle, I would put both things, both dimensions, the same dimensions in both places because whatever box you put a bundle in, that's now the product dimensions. And um, the shipping dimensions are obviously the same. It becomes trickier, way trickier, when the dimensions of the item are something that might be really important to somebody. Um, now, a pair of pliers, yeah, you want to know the length of them, but they come in a blister pack, let's say. So do you do the exact dimensions in the product dimensions and then the blister-packed dimensions in the shipping dimensions. And that, that actually was a question because I want to see what people in chat do. Um, so, um, so I'll give you a second. Um, Ellie's saying she protects her orders ahead for a few months and the manufacturer holds them in the warehouse for her. Frank, that's another possibility if they're willing to work with you. That's a great one because then you don't have to store it. Um, Ron is now working on having um, the manufacturer just work ahead on these these products and having them stored at his prep center on pallets. 
because the manufacturer won't hold them. But if if they can hold them at the prep center to keep from going out of stock, that may work too. If they're small enough, you can hold them at your house. That's not a big deal. Um, but I'm still waiting to see if, what people do about the product and shipping weight because it does become critical when it's something that people need to know. Picture frame. They want to know how big the actual frame is. Okay, that one I would never put the box dimensions in the product dimension sections. I would say, and this is just me, if things are critical that the person know what size it is, you have to take the time to put the correct dimensions um, in the product dimension section and the correct dimensions when it's boxed up. Boxed up. Say that picture frame is 9 by 12 by 1 inch, but in a box it becomes 10 by 14 by 2 inches. So you would you would separate the the two things out. Um, bundles, not so much. It it I would put the same in both for bundles, because what product do you pick out of the bundle to put the exact dimensions? You can't because they're buying the whole thing. Um, and I don't know if if you use Inventory Lab, um, if you notice if you upload the dimensions for a product through Inventory Lab, it only asks for the shipping dimensions. It doesn't ask for the others, um, which is another thing. Reminder, guys, keep an eye on the dimensions of your products um, as you list them, um, both weight and size. Um, I don't know if I talked about it last week, but I had a pair of knitting needles that they said were 10 inches by 10 inches by 10 inches and weighed a pound. Um, no, they're 10 inches by two inches by a quarter inch and it weighs one ounce. Makes a difference it, because it bumped it up to the higher tier, a stand, the higher standard size tier. Um, and so it means I paid more fees. Greg says he sometimes puts the dimensions in the bullet points or description if it really matters. Yeah, I always do if it matters too. Um, just, just because you can't be... Um, too careful. No, that's not the word. See, I'm not. I'm not here today, guys. Um, you can't reinforce it enough. Like I sell a knitting bag. It's called a small, blah 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 knitting bag. The dimensions are in the title, as in small, blah blah blah, blah knitting bag, eight inches by eight inches by ten inches. So that's pretty clear as the size. You know, it's like there. Um, and then I put them in the bullet points, and then they are in the proper place on that last tab is product dimensions. I had one return today. Um, product is small. Might be good for a small project. Well, yeah, it said small and the dimensions were there. So, um, you know, you, you cannot say enough to convince people to read the stuff, but they don't. She probably looked at the picture. It's a really nice picture. I'll buy that. No matter that it says small, maybe it's not that small. Even though it says small and it says the dimensions, it's not that small. But apparently it was that small. It's made to hold a ball of yarn and, and a um, knitting needle to make socks. So it's about the size to shove two socks into. Um, so anyway, yeah, I think putting them in the, the bullet points is, is a good idea too. Um, so, um, Rachel, I hope that answers that. Um, don't overthink it. Just um, do the logical thing on it. So uh, Linda Bailey has a question. Oh, it's like, do we have like six hours here, um, Linda? Good for you. Um, actually, there's three. 
Um, the first one I'll answer because it's easier. The third one is, were you able to find out if the words in the descriptions are indexed at keywords? Well, if I listen to one person, they weren't, and if I listen to the next person, they were, and then I listen to another one, they weren't, and then another one said they were. So the answer is no one knows for sure except Amazon at this point. Um, it is amazing that that one expert will say one thing and another expert will say another. And these were all very recent, uh, very recent information from them within the last couple of weeks that I looked at. So the real answer is no one knows for sure. Um, I am trying to write really good titles and bullet points, um, and then the extra stuff goes in the description. Um, because to be honest, um, for the average stuff that I sell, people don't read the description. They certainly don't. Because if they did, I wouldn't get stuff returned the way, with the comments that, um, that are out there. Um, so until I can find other definitive information, all I have to say is we don't know yet. And Amazon will never tell us. Um, it becomes experimental. Um, I, Frank did something in the group, and I will um, look it up when we're done and see what he said. He did like an A-B test with different descriptions, but we're not in total control of how our stuff, how it shows up on Amazon um, and why it shows up. So I don't know if it's a true, you know, perfect test form, but the word is we don't know. So Linda's next question when you research a new product, what is your criteria? Boy, um, that's like the million billion dollar question. Um, first thing is, is it in my niche? Okay, is it something that I want or is it something I wanna learn about? That's the first thing. So I'm not gonna be selling um, home decor items unless they have a sheep on it or knitting needles or something related to what I know. So that's the first one. Um, so is it in my niche or is it something I want to learn about? Um, case in point, there's a big niche in the arts and crafts field that I knew just enough about to be dangerous, but I wanted to learn more, so I started selling products in that niche. And as I've learned more, I've gotten far better at picking out products that people want. Because um, that's, that's our job is we find stuff that people want and we sell it for a profit. That, in a nutshell, is what, what our job is. We can couch it um, uh, any way you want, but that's what we need to do. So unless we know what people want, we can't sell it. You're just throwing spaghetti up a, a wall and see if one strand sticks unless you know what people want. So if your niche is home decor, what's the next trend in home decor? I don't know. I don't. But if that's the niche you want to sell in, you need to learn. And that means um, reading trade magazines, um, going to trade shows. Because um, to be honest, once they hit the mainstream magazines, like they show up in Better Homes and Gardens or Good Housekeeping, they're already, you know, getting peaked. Um, you got to get stuff before it gets to that point. You don't want to be chasing you want to be right there on the crest of the wave, not, not in the trough behind it. Um, so research your niche, learn about your niche, understand who the players are in your niche, um, what do they say about what's coming down the pipeline for them. 
Um, there are trade um, groups for pre. I can't think of a niche that doesn't have a trade group. And if if somebody can find me a niche, and I mean a niche, not just like you know collectors of one specific, but a niche that you would sell in on Amazon. If you can find a niche that doesn't have some sort of trade group, trade show, or um, or or organization or newsletter, blog, whatever, I'll give you a month free in the group because I haven't been able to find one. I, they may not have been real good, some of them, but they're out there. Um, so know your niche is the first thing to, um, to know about whether the product will be any good. So first thing is I've got to know what it is, what it does, and is it leading the pack or is it something that everybody's done? Case in point, fidget spinners. If you get into those now, you're dead. You're just dead, you know? Um, they're done over and past. What's the next one going to be? Um, I don't know. Um, I can tell you what the next one's going to be in my niche, but since I don't sell toys, I have no clue what the next toy is. And I even watched that um, horrible show on at, that's on after Shark Tank called The Toy Box. It's supposed to be, you know, developers bringing toys in. I always get them wrong because, I, you know, I, what's going to be good? I don't know. So... Um, so the next thing is, um, so I've, I've narrowed in on a kind of product that I think, yeah, this could be good. Next thing is, um, can you find the wholesaler for it? Um, you may, you know, find or think of a great product or see a great product somewhere. Next thing you have to ask, find the wholesaler. That's the next step. The next step is convince them to sell to you. Um, and then the third step is to get it listed on Amazon with some great pictures. So because I really, really like to bring new products to Amazon, um, I don't have sales ranks to go on. Um, so all of those tools that do that kind of thing are pointless for me. Um, but I have, I have this internal research that I've done that may, I may not be able to quantify with numbers, but, um, but I just have been in a niche for a while where I, I know who the the players are. I know who's coming. Um, I'll give a case in point. Old members are sick of hearing this. New ones haven't. Um, I decided to get into scrapbooking, the niche, to sell the stuff. Eh, I died because I didn't like it. It wasn't something I really wanted to learn about all the players and meet the people. And it, to be honest, for the most part, was a much younger demographic than I am. Um, it was mothers with young children and, and new families and all that. For the most part, the products were aimed at. Um, I couldn't relate to that. So I brought in a whole line of it, and I finally, it's all gone now. Um, it was very good stuff, but I was behind the curve in that I was buying what was currently popular instead of what was going to be popular because I didn't know well enough. Um, now, in knitting, I got you done. I know what's coming up. You know, it's like... Um, Shark or Dragon's Den in the UK had um, two weeks ago. They had a woman from the from I think she was from Yorkshire because there's a lot of textile mills in Yorkshire who was brought this great new product to market. It's this ultra fat yarn, so you can make a project in an hour. Well, that was done in the US like four years ago. There's still one vendor selling it, but it's not it's it's not going to be anything. Well, she got a deal on Dragon's Den, so good for her. But it's a case of they didn't know the niche at all, that they think, you know, 
her sales have kind of leveled off and they thought, well, we can do this and bump it up. No, they're leveled off because she's saturated that market. The dragons didn't know it. I knew it. I wouldn't have invested if I was a dragon, but, um, you know, they, they'll probably be able to bump it a bit for, um, for um, just the dragon's den effect and sell a little, but it's not, it's not going to be a huge thing because it's done. And her big thing where she wanted help was getting into the U S market. Well, I'm jumping up and down yelling at the computer. No, it's already been done here. Don't. But anyway, um, Ed says he wants to be like Mel, Mel Gibson. Then he would know what women want. I was thinking of that show or that movie. Um, with him with the hairdryer and all that when when I was saying that and that's funny um, so the knowing your niche part is just it's so critical um, and it's not that you have to know it all at the beginning but you have to be willing to want to know it all about it um, that's what will separate you is you're just not selling widgets you're selling widgets that you have to know something about something about the people who buy them, why they buy them, um, what they are looking for in this kind of product and all that. So um, so if you're not willing to learn about the product, I wouldn't sell it. Um, there's lots of art stuff I do not want to learn about. It's like I have no interest. I don't have enough hours in a day to learn about it, like um, oil painting and watercolors. Not my thing. I don't want to learn about the 50 bazillion things about oil paint and, and why, why one person would use two watercolors over, you know, the dried palette watercolors and all the different brushes and the different papers. I just don't want to do it. So I'll leave that to someone else so I can learn about stuff I want to learn about. So um, at, when you select your niche or your niches, just realize that to be successful, you're going to have to live and breathe this stuff. Um, 24-7. So Linda has one other question. When selling a seasonal item, is it better to leave a quantity in stock and have the rank increase from no sales or leave it out of stock till next year? Um, I have my feeling on this. Um, I would like to see those in the group post their opinion because I don't sell seasonal items, but I have a very specific opinion. So Deborah, you sell seasonal stuff. Shelly, you sell seasonal stuff. Um, Elizabeth, I think you do. Beth, you do. Ellie, um, John, I don't know if you do. Greg, I don't know if you do either. But and Sherry, but um, but please um, chime in in the group. Blech. Why? Because seasonal is uh, retail arbitrage. Is that why Deborah's going blech? That's what she said. Um, I have an opinion because you know I'm the one that I don't think. Um, I don't think you should leave them there. That's my personal opinion. Maybe leave one for some weirdo who's buying um, St. Patrick's Day in November. Uh, and then if it sells, you can send another one in. Uh, okay, Sherry does year-round, so that doesn't help um, on that thing, um, that case. But anyway, I'll look for everybody else. I would leave no more than one, okay? Um, especially if they're more than, like, small because you're paying storage on that now. You, we don't get the one free like we used to, where you know you didn't have long-term storage and semi-long-term storage um, on one unit of a thing. Now it's on all of them. So you're going to have to factor that storage in. 
for that year if it doesn't sell. If you if your St. Patrick's Day doesn't sell till next um, March, um, what did you pay in storage, and did you lose money um, even though you sold it by keeping it in storage? Um, Sherry's saying, I don't think I'd want to pay storage on items not selling. You can only always promote when you restock. Elizabeth saying, only sell a few seasonal models. I leave some in stock. They are small, and a few of them sell. I think that's a critical thing. If they're like earrings, um, you know, like holiday-themed earrings, I would definitely leave one in because they're teeny tiny, right? They're gonna, they are literally going to cost you pennies in storage. But it's a big um, inflatable yard thing for a holiday that may be in a – a 12 by 14 by 18 box, um, that's going to cost you a lot more to store. So you need to factor that in. I would not look at sales rank as the reason to keep it there um, because in the end that's only a snapshot in time of, of the sales. I would look at it, could I possibly make money by leaving it in here or will I lose money? What are the possibilities of selling it? in November, St. Patrick's Day in November. Um, Christmas in July we know is a big one. So that, yeah, I would leave one Christmas thing in of all my SKUs. But um, um, Ellie says she doesn't leave them in stock. Um, She stocks once a year for a particular holiday. So um, so there you go. That's uh, a pretty broad range of, of answers. Um, my my opinion, if it's small like earrings, I'll leave them all year. If it uh, would be bigger stuff that would incur more storage, I would really think about it and run the numbers on it to see if it's worth it. Um, don't let that whole sales rank increasing um, do anything. As um, was Elizabeth who said, um, no, Sherry said, you can always promote it when you restock to get the sales rank down. I mean, because the world expects the sales rank on St. Patrick's things to be really ridiculous in November. It's not like, you know, you would, you're wondering why sales rank's high on it. It just, it is because it's November. So um, let me get the last questions here that I'm working on. Oh, gosh, I can't find the last question. Oh, well. Um, I will talk about um, a couple other things then, um, about about things that I've seen come up on Amazon that are an issue. One is still the whole um, shipping um, issues with inbound shipping. Um, The ridiculousness continues where they're now checking in double of items, at least for me, um, before the box even leaves my house. So it's sitting on my front porch, and they got it, and they checked in 200 units when I only sent 100. Um, it's scary to think that our our money is in the hands of programmers who can't get that figured out, you know. Um, it, that's a worrisome thing. So watch that. Um, Merit's had him check in double, too. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's still sitting on my porch cracks me up, too. It's like, really? Uh, I don't think so. But if you want to sell them and pay me for them, and then these will show up, too. Um, you just wonder what happens internally for things like that. 
to to go wrong. And I always have to remember um, that it is, you know, low-level employees doing this checking in. So don't let Amazon keep your money when you know you're right in what you sent in, you know. Even if they won't let you do that reconcile thing, saying, you know, we counted perfectly, basically what they're saying. You're an idiot. We counted perfectly. Um, open up another ticket. And in in the Facebook group, I did post those um, the four or five ways to complain every time you get a how was our service feedback form from Amazon. Um, how did we do? We'll put the put one of those in there. Um, uh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I was looking at chat. Um, when you get one of those, how did we do? Copy and paste, change a few words, and send it in. Maybe they'll get the the message that the whole receiving and fulfillment centers is just horrible. Um, Deborah, what are you saying? Wholesale discontinues product. Fast sell over 100% or way. Scramble to find another wholesale company. Are you asking what you would do or what you're having to do? I'm not quite so sure about that. Voice, um, why would they discontinue a fast seller? That that boggles my mind. Um, for the first time. Second of second of all, um, I would see if I could buy out what they have left. Um, you know, give them a call and see. Um, I'm obviously missing part of your chat. Oh, frustration. Yeah, it is. But did you ask them if they have um, any more left that you can buy out at like a substantial discount? Oh, none left. Uh, okay, that is frustration. Um, but I have to give you all a word of encouragement. You know that this year I lost two of my big suppliers. Um, long story short, they decided they didn't want to sell to people who sell on Amazon anymore, even though I've been selling for years and years and years. Um, I did the same thing, scrambled to find other companies, and I have. And I'm, I looked, and that up 46% during the summer has slipped down to 35%, but I'm still up 35% over last year. So yeah, it hurts. Um, I could have been up way more if I'd have kept them and the other, other the new companies. But maybe I wouldn't have been as motivated to find the new companies if um, they hadn't pulled the plug. And maybe Deborah, in all of that, you'll find a new wholesaler that has more cool stuff. So you'll actually have more um, to sell in the end than you did with with the supplier who discontinued the product. Um, I did have a supplier, I didn't know it, and this is a case where I should have, but I have an item that goes in a bundle I make. It's, um, and it's a brand name in the craft field, and it's an inexpensive product, but it, it helps like keep the bundle your own. Well, I went to reorder to make more bundles, and my supplier didn't have it. It wasn't like even on the catalog anymore, and they have like tens of thousands of SKUs, so they don't tell you when one gets discontinued. So I started Googling around and found the website for the manufacturer was dead. And um, I then looked at um, the shopping pages, like Google Shopping and all that. And this product that wholesales for a buck fifty was selling for thirty bucks on eBay. Well, that's a clue that people wanted. It's really hard to find, but too late. I couldn't get any more. I didn't, you know, I looked and looked and looked. So I'm redoing my bundle or making a new one. Actually, I'll let that one die because um, you can't change a bundle once you've like set it up. Um, I'll make a new one, just changing this one product to a different one. I found a, a kind of a, a generic 
little thing that does the same purpose um, that can go in there to make the bundle mine. So it does happen. It's like, dang, if I'd have known it was going to be discontinued, don't you think I'd have a pallet of this stuff sitting in the garage? Because the package measures like two inches by three inches by a half inch um, with that kind of markup. Oh, my goodness. And it's a consumable product, so it gets used up, which is even better. It's not like you buy one and keep it forever. It gets used up, so perfection. But I didn't know about it, so they laid a dollar short. So, guys, thanks for bearing with me. Um, this past few days, well, I've kind of not been on the group very much, but um, but we're back in full swing. Q4 is here. Be sure you check the hashtag October assignments. Um, each day you'll have either a little assignment, a little motivator, a little kick in the rear, something um, to help you survive Q4 this year because it, it's going to be huge on Amazon. It is going to be huge. Um, I'm thinking everybody will blow through their, their Q4 goals that they've posted up on the, the wall, October 1st assignment, remember? And look at it and use that as a motivation. And I have also have a picture of our um, our goal, the Bora Bora trip, on my phone and as my screensaver, so I see it all the time. So it's like a real reminder. When I want to goof off and watch um, stuff on BBC, that nah, I should get busy and like, earn the trip instead of, you know, goofing off. So um, so whatever it takes to motivate you, do it. That's This is the time to make all the money you can right now. There's, there is um, no better time. And I don't want you to do it at the expense of your family and your health um, because it's also, it's also life still goes on as normal. And please don't, um, don't take it for granted. Um, do your work, work as hard as you can when you're working, but spend time with your family, your friends, your dog, your cat, um, your guinea pig, whatever it is, and um, just do your best when you're doing it. That's how kind of I am. I, I work hard when I'm working, and then I can be really lazy too. So, um, so we will see you guys in an hour on Thrifting for Profit. I think we're talking about storage fees from what I said since um, – it's a big issue for people, and it, it's a fascinating one. Um, John, thanks for the kind words. Glad to hear the Potters won. I love the name of his football team because they're in Stoke, and Stoke was a big pottery center in the Midlands. And, John, correct me in chat if I'm wrong, because um, I watched a show um, on BBC yet again. It was, like, it was like the Great British Bake Off, except it was for pottery, and it was fascinating where, you know, they had eight people competing. They got a – an assignment they had to make these pots or artwork or whatever, and one got kicked off every week till you had the best potter in Britain kind of thing. Fascinating. But they did it up in um, in Stoke because there were a ton of potteries up there. So anyway, um, we will see you guys on Thrifting for Profit and in the group. And um, if you haven't watched Ron's podcast about photography, please do, because Ellie and Shelley um, are living proof that, it works. You can take awesome pictures with your smartphone and a few few little doodads from the dollar store and the um, thrift store, some lights from the thrift store and all that. You don't have to spend a ton of money. Okay, guys, so we'll see you in an hour. Take care and bye-bye. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.